0: Is Grace, and you're listening to the Homebody Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Today I'm going to be talking about something that's become a very core part of my personal. I guess, cosmology or a code for me, if you will. And whether we are conscious of them or not, we all have codes for interacting with the material world, but also the more than material world. We have ways that the other world kind of seeps in the way that that which is frequency, that which is energy kind of winks at us and lets us know that they're watching or that they're here. We all have our particular ecosystem of archetypes and shapes, numbers, songs, sounds, sensations, animals, colors, ways that we bridge to beyond the veil and the way that it also bridges to us. It's a way that truth, you could say the capital T truth kind of materializes for us in this realm and those codes and symbols and deities Also serve as access points through which we can also reach through the layers of reality. In mainstream culture, you know, we hear about it like in a movie or something, or even not in a movie, and just like real relatable stories from others, you know, after people die, they recognize, you know, a particular animal or happening as sort of a a sign or the presence of the soul of the person who has passed. And I'm sort of like pulling beyond that. A little bit into something that it doesn't have to be about someone that you knew in the material and who has passed on, but it could be. And some of you also probably have a really in-depth, intricate, beautiful landscape of all of these things. And others may just have a couple particular favorites that you know, you know, these are different ways that communication is happening for you. For me personally, I think that The more subtle the particular language is, and I'm using language here loosely, the more subtle the particular communication is, sort of the more pure or the more transmissible it is through the different realms of frequency and reality. So, for instance, geometry, numbers, sound, vibration, these sort of beyond language ways that we can communicate with the other world that we can still understand but they also exist beyond words. Words can be so limiting, and also they have a way of keeping us in sort of the comfort of our rational mind and what we already know, as opposed to these things that really pull us into something greater than we already know or beyond our rational mind. And so this ecosystem of codes and symbols and numbers, etc., have a lot of value there as well. And these are things that I talk about in another solo episode a little bit on the interstellar, which I love because it's an intersection of sound and interstellar communication. And today I'm going to talk to you about one of my personal little codes, which is three. And the number three, the concept of the third for me, feels like it is always a portal. It's always inviting me to go deeper and unpack more and more of its layers. It's just a wormhole that can always pull me into some sort of wider and greater understanding. So I'd love for you to think about what are some of those things for you. I also believe that the wisdom of three or the third holds a lot of wisdom for humanity at this moment. And that's going to be true with all of our our symbols and things, even as we understand them at a given time, because we are a part of humanity (laughs) at this moment. So if it's important to us, then it's going to be important for the whole in some way. And the three or the third gives us a code for understanding this current chapter and how I think we can become more skillful in what seem to be increasingly polarized situations or polarized realities that are really super locked into the dual. They're locked into the two instead of the third. And so our culture right now, and I'm talking about weird culture, I'm talking about mostly United States, North American, continental US culture, because that's what I know, but it's very rooted in the two. It's rooted in dualism. It's rooted in polarity. And while I don't think the two is something that we escape, but I think we need to elevate our consciousness or learn that two is not all. (laughs) The third is definitely a mystical choice and one that can only be created through interaction with other realms in collaboration with spirit or through personal alchemy. The third is an integration, and it's therefore a synthesis of the two three arises anew from the opposites into something that is uniquely a new one. It's a new starting point. And so when we look outside, we're presented with this thing over here is bad. This thing is good. This thing is right. This thing is wrong. This is the right answer. This is the wrong answer. This will get you canceled. This will get you celebrated. And you know all of these things are reinforced by a lot of our institutions and upbringing and things like a lot of the ways that a lot of people experience school and institutionalized religion, things like that. But it's created this sort of collective consciousness for at least weird humanity right now. It's so unsophisticated that the overwhelming majority, we can't even conceive of being for something unless we're automatically also against something else. And we see this all the time through. You know, social media or this very rant oriented, polarizing slant of what we call media. And most of the things that we consume, you know, if you're for this thing, then you're automatically against this other thing and shame on you or. If you're for this thing that some independent said, then you're automatically against everything that this Bible over here says. And it's, it's just kind of ridiculous. We can only conceive of positioning and stances in the form of polarization, in the form of opposite, in the form of the two, where it, of course, then makes us obsessed with being on the quote, right side, getting all the way into one camp that is squarely facing off at the other camp. And because humanity can't currently collectively anyways, conceive of the third, much less hold it down. We're always being against things. We're defined by what we're against, what we're anti, what we're not. And some of that, I think it ends up being an excuse to not be creative. It's a lot easier to look at something and be like, well, I hate this and this is stupid and I'm anti this and I'm definitely not this, but like do a little more work to be like, What's the vision then? You know, And when we define what we're for in this day and age, then prepare to get canceled because people will automatically assume that you must be against all the things that you didn't say or outline particularly. And if you said this, well, it's not explicit enough, so it's not close enough to what the party I am in or what the camp of my belief is, so it must not be that, so therefore it's the opposite. So we're constantly just hitting the baton of, blame and justification and all of that power really back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so no real evolution is happening because this is also a consciousness that is just collectively without a lot of vision. You know, we toss the election to this party and nothing super substantial changes. And then we blame everybody and then we toss it back to this party and nothing super substantial changes. And This way that we deal with reality, when I was trying to think of an adjective that was describe it, it felt fratty to me, like the image that was coming to mind was just sort of like playing beer pong or something. Like, it's just very ping pong. We just toss the ball back and forth and back and forth. And then we sit here and wonder why the dramatic paradigm shifting changes we need are just not happening. But it's because we're playing the wrong game if we're interested in evolution. If we want actual growth, if we want actual waking up, then ping pong, blame game, right and wrong, you versus me, two-party war against eternal enemies, that's the wrong table to be at. That's the wrong game. It will never be evolution. It will always be winning and losing. That duel, that two thinking or getting stuck in polarity is always stuck at looking at the other and defining by the opposite. And It's a very nascent consciousness. It's very new. It's very childish in a way. It stays stuck in this story of two sides of the coin, victim and perpetrator, with no way out. It can't even conceive, and I use that word on purpose, a story that isn't about victim and perpetrator. When in actuality, there are so many other stories that we could be having and creating together. Well, if you're on the bad side and I'm not you, so that makes me on the good side. You know, it's even how we think of justice, right? We have two parties, and one is absolutely right, and one is absolutely wrong. And these kind of this way we conceive of absolution and forgiveness, all these and justice, all these things, we only really think of them, at least collectively or institutionally, through the dual lens. And I know that I'm using a lot of exaggeration and even a bit of sarcasm and hyperbole here to illustrate the idea. But I think we all know the flavor of consciousness that I'm describing. You know, there are also many subtle ways that perhaps we as individuals go about playing this game or playing the rules of this game and therefore get stuck in playing the game of two ourselves. But I think the third The three asks us to do something more creative and more magical. So instead of simply tossing a ball back and forth across this linear table, blaming this person, blaming that person, shifting the power here to point number two, and then shifting it back to point number one, and then back to point number two again, the third asks us to create a synthesis, to create a point that contains elements of both foundations But it's also another thing entirely. It's a third thing. In actuality, you know, humanity does this all the time, right? The third is like the child, right? Two forms come together to make a third form. And when it comes to children, which isn't, I'm using that image because it's easy for us to imagine, it has genetic material from both of the two predecessors, but it also is its own third thing entirely. And so when in relationship, another example, there's a me and there's a you, there's an I and a you, but then there's also the we. And the we is the shape that holds me and you. We is that third thing that includes us, but is also beyond us. So the third requires the two to become creators instead of just players. We're not just playing a game, we're making a game. We're not just tossing the ball back and forth, hoping to win based on whoever is justified at the end, or whoever's deemed on the right side, or whoever made the last shot until another game starts and we have to duke it out again. The third is not just playing the game, the third is making a game. It's creating the story, the orientation point from which we experience life from a different vantage, and then we can hold a new truth. The third can hold what is new, what something is evolving to be. And we have to learn to do that inside of our own consciousness. If we want to be a part of that evolution and folklore, mythology, religion, they're filled with stories of the third, especially as the child or the thing that gets made. You know, in Genesis, it's the spirit moving over the deep and formless water to create the earth. It's Isis, Osiris, and the child Horus. It's the father and the virgin and then the Christ child, or the son, the S-U-N of God. It's the yin, the yang, and then the thing they make when they're integrated together into the one, which is also the third. It's the integration that makes the new thing. Not one or the other, not the choice between this or that, but the manifestation of what happens when they are together. And if you're an artist, then you might be familiar with that process or with the third through that process. There's this thing that wants to get made, the thing that you collaborate with. And that creation is the third as a performer, you know, the performance becomes the thing that you and the creation make together. And if you've ever performed before, you know that each performance has a life. It has a breath of its own and it's sort of holding you. And collaborating with you and beyond you, but it also includes you. It's bigger than you. So the creation is the third. And I feel like this is the place that is really humanity's current consciousness growth edge (laughs) this creative synthesis, this integration that creation is waiting on humanity to get. Or maybe it's not really waiting on us, but basically it's evolving on this ride. And if we don't get this, then we're not going to get to go on the future ride, right? It's waiting on us to, we have to embody this, not just think about it, not just mentally understand the concept, but actually embody it in order to partake into the evolved reality here. And this reality of the third, of the synthesis, of the integration, it is something that we make and we have to participate in, but it is also something that we receive. Just like creating a child, but then also receiving it into the world as its own thing. And I've never had a baby, but I've brought many things into the world. And creating, receiving the third requires a presence. It requires a nowness. It requires an awareness of yourself, what is actually going on, and also a communication with what wants to come out of you, what wants to come through you the third is the formula for the golden mean, right? And I'm not using that example a lot because it doesn't quite contrive the newness that I'm talking about. You know, when we think of the golden mean, we tend to think of both sides. You know, let's say we have two people standing on opposite sides of a line and both sides are just kind of walking equidistant towards each other and they get to the middle. Or at least that's what I think about when I think of the golden mean. But I'm talking about creating a whole other line entirely. We don't just face each other and walk 50 paces until we meet in the middle, we compromise the same amount, we look up or we look out and then we start walking and inquiring and creating until we have made a whole other point on a whole other line entirely. We don't walk to the middle of our existing line, we make a triangle, we make a third point. And the third is this child of paradox. And paradox, how can you be true and this opposite thing also be true at the same time? Well, I don't know, but we're going to have to look up and we're going to have to look out and start walking out in that direction into the unknown to find that third point that we don't have yet, the line that we're not yet on. And paradox is because it sort of breaks apart the dual thinking is is not something that a lot of Cultural thinking is super great at. And again, we get very stuck in pro and anti, where we love the party of two mindset and that reality to the point where we often just immediately discredit the third entirely as something that's less serious or less valuable. Another way I like to think about it is that paradox is a mechanism for the third. And so, what do I mean by that? Paradox is a truth that seems to be made up of two things that are self-contradictory, right? When we look at both sides of the thing, it's like, well, this and this can't both be true at the same time. But paradox is saying that they are. How are they both true? And what most people do, and what we definitely do collectively, is we just pick one and go with that, right? But what if we didn't pick one side or one of the truths of the paradox? Because we recognize that it's incomplete in and of itself. What if we didn't just pick one side of a coin? What if we stood in the middle? What if we just opened to the paradox like a door and stood in the middle of the self-contradictory thing and then just stood there in the gap? And we live in a world that's ripe with opportunities for this. We have this way that Newtonian physics and quantum physics are both true, right? But they they operate by completely different laws but they are they are both true and it requires something mystical or layered in order to hold equally true realities for both of these things and it's because there is more than one world going on simultaneously that's how they're both true that's how we can have the one and the two and the three so what if we don't pick a side in fact what if we refuse to only pick one of two sides as a creative prompt as a challenge, to create a new third story, as a way of holding out for a greater evolution, and as a way of nurturing an unknown path towards some new vantage point from this tip of the triangle. Because if we keep just picking one of two sides, if we just keep picking a side and poking sticks at one another, there is no new story. We'll just have a war, somebody wins, the person who loses is embittered and defeated, waits to get more power, then they start a war, and they fight back, and then maybe they win. It just nurtures more grudges, more winning, more losing, more winning, more losing, you versus me versus you versus me, the ping pong game of the two. So what if we don't pick a side? What if that's not the whole story or what the whole story could be about? Or, and that's just not the growth edge. What if it doesn't get us anywhere except on repeat, which it does? And for those of you who are creators out there, you who are like seeking the mystical ground, where can you practice standing in the gap and keeping your heart open in the gap? Because then you become the third and your life becomes the acupressure point for a new paradigm of consciousness. Standing in the gap, keeping your heart open in the gap. And it's where all the magic is because it's unknown. And if humanity could evolve here to three, you know, just imagine what other numbers we could create and move into. So it's not about going back to some ancient reality. It's about bringing the ancient reality into now. It's not the one or the other. It's the third. It's not about going back to the age of the feminine. It's about bringing the feminine current to with us as a powerful creator of embodied form. And then now we live it into a third. It's not about going back or reclaiming some perfect past ideal. Those timelines are still simultaneous and happening somewhere. It's about bringing ancient and future together into right now. And now is that tip of the triangle, the third point where we can pull them in to meet. Things are and things aren't perfect. Stand in the gap. We live in a planet where duality is at play, and we need to grow towards the three stand in the gap. It doesn't require that you mentally understand. You don't have to mentally understand. That's the point of the paradox is to get out of your mind. It requires that we stand there with our hearts open because it's a message of mystery that only the heart can receive. It's not about deciding who is bad and good. It's not about deciding who is the ultimate victim competition and who is the ultimate perpetrator competition. It's about living into healing, into creating, into a whole other paradigm entirely. And we may have to move through these polar states. Obviously, we do because we're here right now through polar identities. But if we're doing it consciously, we're doing that while also knowing that the two, the polarization, is not the arrival stage. We haven't arrived once we've decided who's the most to blame and get on the opposite side. That's just like... A potential bus stop on a bigger ride where we would get on another ride entirely after that. And so, those of you who know your ancient ones, who know you're being tapped to embody this possible paradigm, and you know because (laughs) one of the ways you know is because you couldn't get the current one to work for you if you tried, and you've probably tried, we have to commit to the gap, open to the third, commit and surrender. To the mystery of not knowing long enough to create something else entirely. It's not settling for the known story. It's not settling for the ping pong game. You have the seed of the secret, sacred inside of you, and we can't waste it by only feeling sad because our current world doesn't recognize the sacred. Instead of only being sad about it, because of course we would have grief for that, and we do we can be in mission about it. Why else would you with the seed show up here right now into the world as it is? So instead of hiding it away for fear of being misunderstood, because you will be misunderstood because everyone is, but especially because few know how to really see, you will be misunderstood, but you will also be found and you will be planting the seeds that the world needs, the seeds you brought here from the ancient future just for right now. So, settling not for the ping pong game, only for creation, only for the vast, mysterious, uncertain ride of creation, integration. What if reality was the deep, formless water that you, the spirit, are so excited to make love with and see what child of the earth you can make together, right? To settle only for creation, for the mystery of integration, for only what could make the magical synthesis the cusp of how we can birth the third, now, in the gap, heart open. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a few moments to subscribe to the show, leave us a review, and share the episode. These small tasks help our independent podcast so much. Be sure to also check out the show notes below to learn more about any resources, guests, or sponsors that we shared with you today. Our intro and outro music was created by artists Aaron Palavic and Jared Kelly. Our podcast logo was created by Elaine Stevenson. And this show is produced by Softer Sound Studio. Thank you for being here. Be well. Peace.